How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. It just left a bad taste in my mouth. And to be honest with you, it's something that I don't know where to place it emotionally or mentally. It's tough, man. I don't know where, still to this day, I don't think about it or dwell on it because I understand that the NBA is not fair, that life is not fair. Bad things happen to good people all the time and good things happen for bad people all the time. I'm about to turn 53 and I understand that, but I've always held Glenn Taylor in high regard. And just to be treated that way, a 30-second phone call, it just didn't sit well with me. It's something I don't understand and I've had a hard time trying to figure it out. Where do I place this? Because again, it would not have been easy to sit down with me and have that conversation. But I think after the years in the organization, that's the least you could have done for me. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantrax and Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and you can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball as always. And um, I know you've been listening to a whole stack of team preview podcasts and I know it's, uh, plenty of you have been enjoying it. Some of you have said, oh, you know, it's not enough fantasy information. You guys are, are talking too much about the teams and not enough fantasy stuff. Well, we're going to be talking all fantasy today in this podcast, just to break it up a little bit. I, I disagree. I think there's been enough information in those team preview podcasts that you can easily translate it to fantasy, but we're going to be talking purely fantasy today, and I'm joined by one of my uh, basketball monster cohorts, Matt Smith. Matt, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Josh. How, how are you? How's things? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pretty good. Now, we're recording this on a uh, on a Friday. It's not going up until a couple of days later, so I'm still I'm still flying pretty high after the Doggies' big, big win last night. I... Didn't see that coming. I thought the Eagles would would uh, beat you quite comfortably, but no, yeah, doggies put up a great fight, and yeah, they were they were brilliant. So um, my team are playing tomorrow night, so hopefully they win. Well, by the time this podcast comes out, they they would have won. So um, I'll be a happy man as well. We uh we had no uh, I had no confidence really, but. We uh we went out there. We we didn't beat them. We we just smashed. We literally smashed them hard every time they got near the ball. And it was uh it was pretty exciting to see. Pretty wasn't there. Obviously, I'm sitting at home on the couch. wasn't Didn't fly across to Perth to watch it. But any uh, any dogs fans that are listening to this podcast, I reckon they'd be uh, pretty happy with the with the fight that we showed on uh, on Thursday night. It was a huge win. And hopefully for you, Maddie, the, the crows can uh, get over the kangaroos, which I'm I'm fairly confident they are. Uh, they will, but hey, you never know. Everyone, the Eagles were a, a massive massive favorite against us on Thursday. All right, let's. You know, we're going to, we're talking, Matt. You've got an article that's uh, that's out now on Basketball Monster. It's the uh, point guard positional tiers. You're doing one for each of the five positions, and I'll, I'll let you explain it, and I'll, I'll chime in with some uh, some some thoughts on it. But why why are you looking at this stuff in tiers? Yeah. So what I've done over the last couple of seasons is actually drafted more on positional rankings and positional tiers rather than just your general rankings. You know, your top 150 or top 180 depending on how deep your league is and I know um, us and you in particular get a lot of um, feedback around why is player x 
um, ranked here and why is player Y ranked there? And I think we get a bit caught up. You know, we've got Paul George ranked at 10 or 12. I can't remember off the top of my head. And then John Wall behind him. And it's not to say you have to take those guys in, the, in, in that order. If I was drafting, I'd probably t- I would take John Wall over over Paul George because I like point guards and and it suits my build um, and strategy better. So like I said, I've been drafting off of um, positional rankings and tiers over the last couple of seasons, and it just gives me a little bit more clarity throughout the draft, both um, online and offline drafts, as to where players are going, and not only that, but what positions in particular um, you can probably find later in drafts. So if you're going through using these these tiers, you can sort of, I cross off players as I go, and then I can see, you know, there might be four or five good centres that I might be able to get in a couple of rounds' time, which means I might have to get a point guard now or I might have to get a wing now. Um, so I just find it gives me a little bit more clarity as to, to what's available right now um, and what I might be able to find later in the drafts. The what you mentioned about rankings, you should never, ever, 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 ever draft off a rankings list. If you see someone's top 100 or top 150, you never go to that list and go, oh, you know what? It's my pick at pick 60. This guy is here at the highest guy. He's at he's at 59. Um, let's take him. It, it's it's ridiculous. You know, basically you're an auto drafter because if you go into a league where there's someone who's on auto draft, they pick the person at the top of the list, and guess where they finish up in the league? Not at the top. So don't ever draft based on that. So you come into Basketball Monster, you pay your membership, you have a look at the projections, and you'll come in and you'll go, oh, here's a list. Why is this guy ranked 18th and this guy's ranked 21st? That's not how it works. That's not how. That's clearly not the best way that you should be using the resources of Basketball Monster. It is not about ranking. It is about projections. These guys, you can throw a blanket over pretty much 10 or 15 guys in a row as you go through the draft in terms of their overall value. And what you mentioned is key, Matt, because you're going to have point guards. You're going to have 15 point guards go in the top 50. Probably 20 of them go in the top 70. So you might have these point guards and you might have a big guy who's ranked higher than them. But if you don't get a point guard, then eight of them are going to go before your next pick. And then you're going to be in a stack of trouble. You want to grab a three-point shooting wing? Oh, I want, I want to get this guy because he shoots three. Fine. Get it later because you, you're just not getting assists. You're not getting high free throw percentage volume. You're not getting a big who doesn't hurt you in percentages later on. These are things that just you, you can't get them. And it is really important to have a look at that. And, and it's always based on what you did beforehand and what you did in your first couple of picks because if you went point guard, point guard, point guard, which is probably not a great idea, but but you could have done, then you get to the ranks and then the next highest guy is a point guard. What's the point of it? You don't need another point guard most likely because you've probably got way more assists than you, you end up going to need for the uh, for the entire draft. So never never draft, draft off rankings. Even when you go into Basketball Monster and you've got a punt situation set up, you toggle the punt and it rearranges everyone, you never just go straight down that list. It's all about, and this is where the draft tracker comes in, Matty, is dynamic value and positional value. A dynamic value taking into consideration what stats have come off the board already in your draft and it tells you, who gets a bump in value because of what they bring becomes rarer at that point in the draft. And then positional uh, positional value as well. So taking all those things into consideration, it is never who is at the top of my list, take them because you'll lose. It's simple as that. Yeah, just on point guards, which we're talking about today, you and I are in, in two drafts. One's about the finish and the other one's about halfway through. But in our Roto League, there was 20 point guards taken inside the first 60 picks. Yep. So this is what we'll try to explain today is, like you said, if 
you're going to have to grab a, a point guard early if you want a good one. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck with a Darren Williams or a um, um, Drew Holiday, Darren Collison, a Patrick Beverly, these sort of guys. So, yeah, like we said, we might have to take a point guard earlier and then and then grab your bigs later on. So we'll go through um, these tiers and some of the players and, yeah, give a couple of comments on each of them. Matt, what's the name of your dog? Can you hear that in the background? <laughs> yeah, we can. Is it, do you want me to go on? No, it's, it's okay. I just want to know what, he, what his name is. Well, we've got, we're actually dog sitting for okay. the general laws. We've got two ones, um, Amber and one's Tilly. Fair enough. Well, uh, they're obviously having some fun out there. Yeah, I've, I've left them out in the other room, so the house is probably going to be destroyed. But if they do get annoying, and sorry for the noise in the background, I'll I'll go and, yeah, kick them out. <laughs> All right, point guard tiers, Matty. This is, this is what your article is about. There's a pretty clear number one tier. Uh, in terms of point guards, Steph Curry, Russ Westbrook are the, are the two guys that are up. They, they they bring very different things, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. And I was a little bit surprised when you sent the projections through and we found that Steph Curry was still the number one player in the league. Despite, oh, so was I. Uh, yeah, despite um, Kevin Durant obviously coming across. But it just goes to show how dominant Curry was last season that he's still the number one ranked player um, with our projections. And, yeah, the massive, massive three-pointers, the steals. Um, Westbrook's going to be sort of similar scoring. Um, obviously, more rebounds for him. Um, Curry with the field goal percentage. Russell Westbrook with um, the higher volume of, of free, th- free throws. Um, so, yeah, a case can be made for, for both of them at, at number one and also with James Harden. The big, the big thing with Curry is, is, you mentioned, I was surprised when he came in, but he was forty percent better than the number two player last year, and that margin's been cut down to about two percent better this season. So he has suffered a drop. We've dropped his minutes down, we've dropped his shot attempts down, we've dropped his three pointers down. Um, I think we bumped his assists slightly because he, he'll be passing it to Kevin Durant instead of Harrison Barnes. So there's a couple more assists that might go through the, the team over there. But he had such a huge buffer on whoever was coming in second last season that. It still leaves him at number one. Now, if I had picked number one, I wouldn't take Curry. I, I, I would take Harden just because there's a bit more volatility in, in what might happen to Curry. Maybe we didn't go hard enough in dropping his minutes. Maybe he plays 31 minutes because they're winning just so easily every single game. Pretty unlikely, but maybe that happens. Maybe he really takes a back step and, and scores only 20 points a game. Again, really unlikely, but possible. But Harden's not going to do that. Harden is going to do everything that he did you know, plus 5% on last season. So I would still take Harden number one. But our projections, based on what we think, and I think it's a fair assumption what we think there, it's uh, it, it's Curry at one. But you know, when we look at things and you go, why isn't Westbrook number one? The big thing is three-pointers. And if you're not all that enamored with three-pointers, then you could you could easily take Westbrook over him. But these guys are so close. But the value that Curry brings, Matt, in three-pointers is seven times more valuable than what Westbrook brings in that category. And that is uh, that is a huge discrepancy. Yeah, that's that's massive. Um, as you said, and what he hit five or five point one three pointers per game last season. We've got him at four point eight this season. Um, but I guess then on the other side of the coin that you can get the three pointers late. You can always yep. draft them late. You can always find them on the waiver wire. So um, I've started doing my shooting guard positional tiers, and there are so many shooting guards late who average sort of between one and a half to two to two point two threes per game. So. Um, yeah, it's like we said, it really depends on, on how you want to build, um, maybe who you prefer, which team you watch more, who you like. Um, 
But all those three guys, yeah, definitely have the case for, for the number one fantasy player this season. You you also can't get three-pointers late on 50% shooting on 18 attempts. And that's where Curry's value really, really comes in, is that ridiculously high field goal percentage for a guy that's giving you five threes a game yeah, and then sh- and then giving you a huge pop positive in the field goal percentage category. Because JJ Redick will do that, but he'll shoot them at such a lower volume and he'll play you know, less minutes and score 12 points instead of 27 points and give you two and a half threes instead of five threes. So you can still get them late, but Curry gives you that position where you can get him and then you don't have to worry about three-pointers until round 11 and get those guys later on that you're talking about, those those um, you know, shooting guards late, and then and then build on your threes. Then he can allow you to do all that sort of stuff. Um, people, and I mentioned this on the Thunder podcast, which you would have heard yesterday, about Westbrook people coming to me. Oh, why, have you, why have you picked Westbrook to be ranked ninth? Oh, sorry, I think someone said, why have you got Westbrook to be the ninth pick? And that's absolutely not what we've done, Matt. That's if you're looking at a nine-cat value, that's where the overall value of all these categories come out based on his absurdly large turnovers you would never pick him there though would you no absolutely not yeah he's he's definitely a top top five player and and in my my mind a top three player and i even think in still in head-to-head there's a case to take him number one i'm still tossing up between between westbrook and and harden um, and number one in the head-to-head league and probably curry and harden in a rotor league just because of westbrook's field goal percentage um but, yeah, the all three are going to be incredible players this season. And we've got those guys in a tier to, to themselves. The next tier, it's a significant drop down. We're talking almost 50% of value down to this next group of guys. Who have you got in the next group of point guards? Yeah, so t- what, what I've called tier two, it's still sort of your late first round. We've got Chris Paul and John Wall. Um, both very similar. Lock them in for sort of 18, 20 points, 10 assists, and a couple of steals every night. If you want more efficiency... Um, Take Chris Paul if you maybe want some some blocks from a from a point guard position. Take Wall, um, but but pretty similar players. I know there's been a bit of talk around about John Wall's um, knee coming off a couple of knee surgeries, but I'm not that concerned. We've also had John Wall come out and said that he's in the best shape of his life, so um, I'm not sure which one you want to listen to. But yeah, for me, John Wall's still sort of that that 10 to 15 um, ranked player. Chris Paul's got an ADP on ESPN of 14, which is ludicrous. If you're picking Chris Paul in the second round, you're pretty much winning your league. I think he takes somewhat of a step back because last season when Blake Griffin was out, he really stepped things up. He, he grabbed a lot more rebounds. He was more aggressive with his uh, with his passing. And with Griffin around, he won't rebound as much. He won't hand out quite as many assists because Griffin handles the ball a bit. Not to say he won't be a really high assist guy, but it's a difference between maybe 11 assists and 10 assists that Paul can do. And he just won't be the same scorer in terms of the aggressiveness because without Griffin there, he had to absorb a much larger load. He already saw a minutes reduction last year, Paul down to 32 minutes. So in a situation where Griffin missed the whole season and he played 32 minutes, he's not going back to 33 or 34 this year. So that's part of the reason why he slipped from being a top five guy to being end of the second round. But him and John Wall getting those assists, it's it's a real key because then you might not get caught as much in that middle round point guard uh, crush. Who's next on your uh, on your tiers, Matty? What's your what's your next group? This is where the, the tiers start expanding a little bit. Yeah, they do. So this is sort of getting into the the mid to late second round, um, potentially even into the third, depending on on how the drafts are going. But we've got Damien. Well, I've got Damien Lillard, Kyle Lowry, and Eric Bledsoe. So Lillard, we know, is just an elite three point shooter. Um, massive points for me. Still not quite enough assists. Um, 
sort of between the six and seven mark, which is which is solid, Steph Curry-esque. Um, but it's not elite when we're talking elite. We're talking those nine, ten, eleven assists per game, and still just not enough steals from Damian Lillard. We've got him projected at point eight, um, and that massive hit um, in field goal percentage um, on nearly twenty attempts. So a couple of areas for there um, with Damian Lillard. Why he's not ranked probably in the tier higher. Kyle Lowry. Um, just super solid across the board. Took his threes and steals um, to a career high last season. Um, I'm expecting something a little bit similar. I know I've heard you talk, Josh, that you're not as keen on Kyle Lowry this year. Um, and then Eric Bledsoe, just one of the game's best stat stuff is just can fill it up night after night when healthy. And there's been um, some good good reports coming out about Eric Bledsoe. And you know I'm a big Suns fan, so I've been following him closely. And I think he's He's primed for a massive season. He's sort of a top 15 guy when healthy. So if you get him in, in the late second or early third, I think that's great value. Yeah, now obviously the concern is with Bledsoe and his knee. But this is what I always put out there with Bledsoe. Yeah, he tore his meniscus in his knee. It wasn't the same knee that he's tore his meniscus in previously. And when he tore that meniscus in the other knee, he came back and played 82 games or 81 games the next season. So he's got the propensity to recover from a meniscus injury. He hasn't done this in this knee before. It's a concern that it's happened in both knees, sure, and that he has missed so much time. But last time he came back from it, he came back fine, and he was in career-best form last season before the knee injury. Now, when you look at the projections, you'll see him inside the second round. That's too much risk to absorb for me in the second round. You could find him falling to the fourth round. If he does, you should be all over it there. Um, on Lowry, you mentioned my concerns with him. He's been really poor the last the second half of the last two seasons, he was ranked outside the top 70 for the last month last season, uh, 25th after the All-Star break. He also played 37 minutes a night last season. I just don't know that he's going to be able, at th- over 30 years of age, is he going to be able to go at 37 minutes again? Or did, you know, I don't really put a huge amount of faith in Dwayne Casey working anything out, but maybe he's gone, oh, there's there's a reason why Kyle Lowry w- was shitful for us uh, in the second half of the season, and that's because I've just ran him into the ground to start the year. So maybe they go out there and go, let's play him 35. Let's you know, play. Now, if Delon Wright was healthy, I could see that you know, Delon Wright getting an extra couple of minutes and that dropping Lowry down a little bit, but I can't see him getting the 37 minutes a night that he got all season, and that pushes him from a guy that was a top 10 player last season to a guy that falls into this third tier that you're talking about. And with your third tier, Matt, I would have Kyrie personally in that tier myself. Why did you bump him down a tier? Um, why did I? No real reason. No, probably the main reason um, or the, the thing that bugs me about Kyrie is just the lack of assists, um, projected about 5.3 assists per game. To me, that's just not enough for someone who in this tier is probably still either your first point guard or you've stocked up on point guards behind Steph Curry. If you've got Westbrook and then you want to go Irving, I understand it. Um, but like Eric Bledsoe is probably more six, Kyle Lowry seven, Damian Lillard six, um, Kyrie Irving probably closer to the five mark. So yeah, that's probably the reason why I've bumped him down a tier. Um, but in terms of projections and overall value, we do have him um, ranked the same as Eric Bledsoe and just behind Kyle Lowry. So, yeah, depending on, on the makeup of the team and, and what you're looking for, um, yeah, we could put, could put Kyrie Irving a tier, a tier higher. I think if you've gone in the first round and taken Giannis, perhaps, or you've taken LeBron uh, in the first round, 
you're probably not going to take Kyrie at the top of the second round, but but maybe you do because you know, he's had a top ten season in the last two years, and that sort of alleviates. And you talk about yeah, he's got low assists for a point guard, but then if you get eight assists out of your small forward, yeah, that's that's alleviate. You you can absorb that sort of um that sort of downturn, but. In general, your point, your assists come from your point guards, but there's LeBron, there's Giannis, there's Draymond, who are going to give you seven, six and a half to eight and a half assists out of that small forward, power forward position, and that's a, a real, uh, a real benefit, I think, and that enables you to maybe, in your own personal view, you move Irving up a bit because he's going to be probably the best scorer in that in that range, may or maybe Damian Lillard, but he'll be in that in that. Range as one of the the upper echelon scorers, he's a he's a pretty high percentage field goal guy as well. So if you want twenty three points and you don't want to take on Lillard's ridiculous field goal percentage impact, then Irving Irving comes out better for you in that situation because he's a a forty five forty six percent guy, not a forty two percent guy, and that that's a really big difference. Yeah, absolutely. And and James Harden's the other one. If you're getting eight assists from a point guard, exactly uh, from a shooting guard. Sorry, that's just a a massive boost. So then you're sort of looking at sort of 14 assists per game from your from your point guard and shooting guard, which is which is elite. So yeah, like we said, it's it's who your sort of your first pick is, um, and and yeah, how you want to. And that, that's perfect yeah. with Harden because if you get Harden at one and you got to pick at 24, 25, then yeah. Irving slots in brilliantly at at that spot to give you. And because points, and I'm writing an article about point punting points at the moment, which might even be up on the site by the time you listen to this, but. Out of the top, I can't remember the numbers. <laughs> out of the top twenty scorers, you know what? I've got it in front of me. Let me read it out to you because it was a pretty interesting stat. Where is it? Out of the top twenty-five points per game people last season, only one of those finished outside the top fifty in eight cat rankings, and only three of them finished outside the top forty uh, in eight cat rankings. And two of those outside the top forty were Wiggins and Irving, which are probably going to be back inside the top forty this season. So. You have to get points. If you want to, if you don't want to punt points, you have to get it early. So getting thirty from Harden, twenty-four from Irving, and then you get those assists as well. He, that's why Irving's value to me. I think he's a real interesting guy. And someone put a question to me on Twitter today: Who was a second or third round player that you think could have first round value by the end of the year? And I think it's Irving. He might not, but but he could. I don't want to turn this into a referendum on Kyrie Irving. Let's get to your your fourth tier where you do have Kyrie. Um, who else have you got in that in that range? Uh, so we've also got Kimber Walker. Um, once again, similar, just sort of around the five assist mark yep. um, for for an elite or a very good point guard, I should say. Um, field goal percentage is is a bit hard to swallow as well. I'd like to see that sort of 43, 44%. Um, Isaiah Thomas, um, similar to Kimber Walker, sort of low 20 points, five, six assists, a steal a game, a um, couple of threes. Um, elite from the free throw line. Um, I don't think Al Horford will have too much impact on on Isaiah Thomas' scoring, and and I think it might even help his assist and his full goal percentage a little bit more. Um, and the other guy, this will probably cause a little bit of debate, but but that's good. Um, is Ricky Rubio? Um, now I know he's sort of a two cat guy, but if you do miss out on on your Chris Paul, your John Wall your Russell Westbrook, and you need those elite assists, then Ricky Rubio is the next next best option um, in that assist categories. And after that, we're looking at sort of Ray John Rondo and you don't want him. So if you do want to be competitive in assists, then Ricky Rubio um, is that guy who you can take sort of end of second, early to mid third round. 
um, to really give you a massive boost in that category. You don't even need to take him there. ESPN ADP's at 68. His Yahoo's at 49. As you mentioned, it could be controversial because people hate him. So you'll get him in the fourth a lot of the times, may, maybe the fifth. And he's a guy that could easily lead the league in steals and he could come top three in assists. And that's not crazy. He's also a positive free throw guy. And yeah, he, you know what? He's a shit shooter. We know that. Doesn't take enough attempts to be a real big impact. In fact, his impact in field goal percentage is significantly better than what Damian Lillard's is. It's better than John Wall's. It's better than Russell Westbrook's. This is where he sits. Like it's it's almost equivalent to what Kyle Lowry is, and it's and it's um it's better than Isaiah Thomas. And a lot of people won't won't look at that and go, oh, I want Rubio's. He's killing my field goal percentage. But they'll happily draft Isaiah Thomas. But they'll happily take on Damian Lillard when Rubio is nowhere near the impact of what those guys have in that category. And and it's something that because you see the number at forty instead of forty two. Yeah, yeah, it's bad, but it's eight attempts versus twenty attempts, and that's that's where the real difference comes in. And uh, Rubio's a guy that I target in a lot of situations. And if you're punting points or field goal percentage, he, he's right up there, and you get four or five rounds of value on him pretty much. I, I really like that the way that you've put him into that into that tier, Maddie. I definitely would have him there. Tier five. Um, got it again. It's it's expanding out here. I reckon a couple of people might have some issue with some of the names in uh, in this tier as well. Yeah, we've got a couple of older guys and then um, a couple of younger guys and a guy who's, um, got, well, could have, should have a breakout season. So the older guys who used to be sort of your two, uh, tier two, two, tier three sort of point guards, Mike Connolly and Goran Dragic, um, both we think, well, I think, and our projections suggest um, should have bounce back seasons. Um, similar sort of guys, high efficiency. We know Dragic in particular can shoot around. 40, 49, 50% from the field. Um, Mike Connolly, still still a solid assist, steals, threes, guys. Um, so once again, sort of if you're looking, if you've taken Wall or Curry or Westbrook early and you're looking for just a, a super solid um, backup point guard, yeah, they're both really good options. The other two young guys, D'Angelo Russell and Dennis Schroeder, these guys have just been so sought after in, in particular the drafts that we've been in. Um, and once you see them go off the board, you just get comments like, oh, I wanted Schroeder or I wanted Russell and great pick. And um, I've seen Schroeder go sort of 43, 44, um, which still good could be good value. He could be top 30, top 40 player this season. Um, I drafted D'Angelo Russell at 45 or 50 um, the other day, somewhere in that range. Um, so, yeah, they're really really good guys to, to have on your team. Going to be fun guys to own this year. And the other one, which, yeah, may cause a little bit of debate again, is Jeremy Lin. Um, could have put possibly put him down into tier six, but he's better than, yeah, those guys in that tier. So set for a, a bounce back season, or hopefully a career year. Um, plenty of workload there, high usage. Um, and, yeah, once again, you're not going to be need to be aggressive um, on draft day to, to own Jeremy Lin. I, I agree, Matt, with, with that. Obviously, I, I did the projection, so of course I, I agree with it. But yeah, people will look at... And, and Schroeder's a guy that when you look at his 9-cat value, he goes from 60th to 120th. It's a massive, massive drop-off, but I, I don't care. I, I, I literally don't care about the turnovers. It's not it's not dissuading me. Yeah, you know what? He, he's not a great shooter, but again, he's not 
He's not the worst shooter out of these point guards. He's not the, the biggest negative impact. You know, Russell will have a bigger negative impact. Lynn will have a bigger negative impact. But on, on Lynn especially, yeah, you know what? He's been poor. But look at where he's played. He, he's played in Charlotte behind Kemba Walker and, um, and Nick Batum as the two primary ball handlers, and he played a reserve role in 27 minutes or so. In Los Angeles, he played for Byron Scott, and he played um, behind with Kobe Bryant. Again, usage, ball not in his hands. In Houston, he played behind Patrick Beverly and with James Harden. And then when he started, he played with James Harden. So when has he had, since his time in New York, when's he been the, the ball handler? When's he been the primary option? And that's exactly what he's going to be in New York. Uh, not in New York, in, well, in New York, in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. He's not going to be... Yeah, New York Knicks, Jeremy Lin, but he's going to be closer to that than what than Los Angeles Laker, Jeremy Lin, than, than, than Houston Rocket, Jeremy Lin, where he was like an 80-90 type player because he's going to shoot more. He's going to have the ball in his hands more. Jared Jack put up a career high, I think, in assist rate last season in Brooklyn. And people will say, who's he got to pass to? Who did Jared Jack have to pass to? You got, you got one of the best offensive big men in the game. So there's one, one of your answers. You give it to Brook Lopez. But even with the crap that was surrounding Jack last season, and Jack's a really bad player, he still got you seven plus assists last season. Lynn's a better player than him. Lynn is a better scorer than him. Um, Lynn will get you some steals. He'll hit some threes. He's a good free throw shooter. Absolutely. And this is where the run really kicks off. You know, Conley, Russell, Dragic, Lynn, Schroeder, all these guys in this range, they they will all go in one round, most likely, in your draft. I got Russell at 57 in one of them. Um, Schroeder was just taken before that. All these guys in those mid rounds. And if you don't get one of these guys, this is where the drop off really starts to kick in, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We had nine point guards go in 10 picks. Um, I think it was in round five of our Roto League yep. and, and all of these guys, just a massive point guard run. Um, and yeah, 100%, it really drops off after this. Um, but just on Jeremy Lin, we've got him projected at seven assists. So, you know, that's more than guys like Dragic and Connolly and Thomas and Kemba Walker and Eric Bledsoe, Kyle Lowry. So if you do need yeah that extra bump and assist, then yeah, there's no reason why you can't go five or 10 spots. Um, earlier than the normal or what you think might be normal for, for Jeremy Lin. So, um, yeah, now pushing down into tier six. Just, just um, one thing, Matty, on Lin, his ADP is outside the top 100 on both sides. So, yeah, in the Rotor League we were in, he went early. And some leagues, if your your listeners, or not, if listeners to this are in leagues with other listeners to this or Basketball Monster subscribers, he might go earlier. But if you're in other leagues, then... He's just not. He's just gonna. He's gonna slide to the. Even if you grab him in the eighties, it's still twenty spots of value. Now on to the next tier. All right, tier six. Um, this is depressing. This tier. <laughs> would you, Would you like to do the honors and kick it off, saying as though he's your point guard? Yeah, Reginald Rondo comes in uh, at the top of Matt's uh, sixth tier of point guards, and um, there's a lot. There's a lot of caveats with drafting Rondo. I think we are aware of that. Field goal percentage is bad. Free throw percentage is bad. Scoring is bad. Three pointers are bad. Um, he gives you assists, yep. He gives you steals, but those two things are both going to come down this season, I think. Yeah, I think so. We've got him got him uh, projected for nine point three assists, um, positive Z score of two point six five. For assists and 1.03 for steals, every single other category he's a negative. Yep, and, and that's so, that's the thing. Look, he's a good rebounder for a point guard, but he's still not a positive in that category. No, negative 0. 0.4, uh, 0. 0.4 and three field goal percentage is terrible. So yeah, as of as I've written there, if you're reading the article, um, if you you must be seriously desperate for for assists to to draft Rajon Rondo, um, I'd rather you go a couple of well two three rounds early to to get um, Ricky Rubio 
Um, next point guard in, in this tier, Jeff T. Um, why, why have you dropped him down? Well, I've dropped him down based on your projection. Okay, then, then <laughs> why, why have I dropped him down? <laughs> you, can, you can delve into my mind. Yeah, so we've got him, his value is exactly the same as Rajon Rondo. Um, he's, I'm, I'm guessing his usage, or you've got his usage going down from, from Atlanta. Um, the ball will be in Paul George's hands, Monta Ellis's hands, um, and then maybe Jeff Teague, so second, third option there. Um, not only in terms of ball handling, but also scoring. I still think he's a he's a pretty solid point guard. If you do miss out on one of those guys, say in the top fifty, and then you're getting desperate, like six assists, one point two, one point three threes, one point three steals, um, still in the low teens and points. Pretty solid um, from the field and the free throw line. Not going to kill you anywhere. So he's a he's a pretty decent decent point guard if, if you do miss out so I'm not writing Jeff Teague off completely we think the Pacers might play at a at a slightly higher pace as well um, which could help um, but yeah what what's your thoughts on Jeff Teague um, look part of, Teague's ADP is, is 47 and 57 on Yahoo and, and, and ESPN which, which is too high for me what you said is what I think that the usage we saw what happened to George Hill. When you look at George Hill, 2014-15 to 2015-16, when he played with Monte Ellis and Paul George, and when he played without those two guys, he was a top 40 fantasy player. He was barely a top 100 player. Now I don't know if Teague necessarily drops that far, but I, I think that with George dominating the ball, with Ellis dominating the ball, it's going to be a tough, a tough sell on Teague. Now he had a really good three-point shooting season last season, but he'd been dreadful basically in that area in all his other years. So to expect him to just be um, that good. But again, it, it takes a level of faith, which I'm not 100% sure I'm, I'm comfortable with doing at this point. He, he's not a, a great defender. He's not going to get you a bunch of steals. I still think he gets you know, decent value, and he comes in at, at, a, at a nice spot, a mid-round guy. But I just fear he'll get overdrafted based on his Atlanta form when we've seen the Paul George, Monte Ellis effect on point guards before, and it hasn't been positive. Yep, I understand that. The other, the last guy in tier six um, is Reggie Jackson. Just mainly, we've got the poor field goal percentage and his low steal count really hurt his value. Um, but once again, if you're looking for, for just a solid point guard, playing time safe, the scoring safe, um, sort of looking at six or seven assists per game, um, then Reggie Jackson's probably just about the last of the starting point guards that you can rely on. We, we see a drop from, from tier 5 to tier 6 and then probably even a bigger drop from tier 6 to tier 7. I was pretty interested in Reggie Jackson last season because when he came across from Oklahoma City in the trade, he was putting up nine assists a game and he was playing like 34, 35 minutes a night, which was weird because Stan Van Gundy throughout all his coaching career never gives point guards minutes. It's always a cap of 30, 31 minutes. That's what he does. But in that post-All-Star break section of the season, you know, Jackson was running out there big minutes. I thought, okay, maybe Van Gundy's changed his idea. And when we're heading into the season with Steve Blake and an Achilles rehabbing Brandon Jennings, yeah, Jackson's going to have to play minutes. But no, Van Gundy said, I don't care what sort of decrepit point crap point guards you've got behind, you're only playing 30 minutes, which is a, is a massive flaw to me in what Van Gundy does as a coach because when you're having to trot out Steve Blake 20 minutes a night because you just refuse to give a far superior player an extra four or five minutes, it, it's a flaw, but it, and it really puts a real ceiling on what Jackson can do fantasy-wise. So unless Van Gundy reverses course over what he's done his entire coaching career, 
we're going to see Jackson capped out at 30 minutes and it's going to put a cap on him. him. He, otherwise, he could be a 20 and 8 sort of player instead of an 18 and 6 player, which would jump him into the, the top 50, top 40 discussion. But it's just it just goes against all history of Van Gundy, despite that little two month stretch where maybe it looked like he'd seen the light of like let's let's let the good players play. Didn't go didn't go that way last season. Yeah, for sure. So, and just touching on a couple of other guys um, in terms of ranking, like Monte Ellis, Brendan Knight, Zach Levine, Jordan Clarkson. I've got all these guys listed out shooting guards, so they'll be in in the uh, article next week. Um, Drew Holiday. Now, do you want to share your Sob story with, with the listeners. In the Eroto League that Matt's referencing, I uh, now we've got Drew Holiday on a per-game basis, and that's important. When you go look at per-game or look at total value, things change. I, we had Drew Holiday on a per-game basis at like 24, I, I think. I think that's accurate. He, he's, he's high anyway because you know, he was a monster down the stretch of last season. He's fully healthy. His legs are fine. They were fine for all of last season. The The issue with last season was they were making them fine by playing playing him limited minutes, by sitting him out over a three-month period. He's playing 35 minutes a night down the stretch. He only missed time because he had his face broken. That's why he missed the playing time. It wasn't a leg issue. He's fully healthy. He was set to become a monster, and he's a great three steals, points, assists, point guard. He's relatively efficient, shoots a high free throw percentage. He's a guy that you can get in the fourth round who can give you second round value. So in this league, we're sitting there. Um, what number pick? We're up. It was pick forty, and I was on the clock. And Drew Holiday was still sitting there. Well, you know what? This is this is beautiful. I'm going to get a high efficiency for a point guard guy. He's going to get me twenty and seven. He's going to get me one and a half threes and one and a half steals. Beautiful. Made the pick. An hour later. On Twitter, the news story comes out. Drew Holiday will uh, will miss time to spend uh, looking after his pregnant wife who has a brain tumor. And I just went, well, that's, uh, that's, that's shit for Drew, the, the poor guy. And I went, oh, yeah, I just picked him. So that's uh, he's not going to play until 2017 is my guess. Now, the baby is due in the middle of October, but they're thinking of inducing it perhaps in the middle of September. And then they have to wait to do the surgery six weeks after the baby's born. So say they induce the baby in the middle of September. And I don't, this might sound callous talking about fantasy basketball and what he's going to do on the court when his wife's battling a brain tumor. I understand that. All, I've obviously said this before. Um, I've tweeted out, you know, it's a great decision from Drew. It's a terrible situation for their family. And it looks like everything's going to be okay. They just obviously have to do the surgery. But when we're looking at trying to break down this, this value, if he, they have the baby in the middle of September, six weeks makes it the start of November. That's the start of the season. Then, then that's when he actually needs the time off because his wife's going to be in hospital recovering from having bits cut out of her brain. So he's going to have to be looking after the baby and looking after his wife. And I think a two-month estimate for that is is probably fair. How, how do you say And look, and if they don't induce the birth, then we're definitely not seeing him in 2016. Yeah, I think that's a fair timeline. Um, just a terrible situation because all reports prior to that was Drew Holiday's in, in the best shape of his life. He's going to be a monster. And, and everything's great. And he, you know, got through the off season and yeah, just got hit with this news. So, um, it was just terrible. Um, so yeah, in terms of a fantasy impact, um, that's going to take a, a big chunk of his value for, for season long leagues. Um, where, where would you draft him now? In a, in a weekly lock league or a rotisserie format, I yep. would take him, take him, um, 
with my last three picks, so outside the top 100, and leave him sitting on the bench, which I did in this Roto League. I grabbed Tyreek Evans at that spot, and I'm just going to let him sit on the bench because we don't even know when Tyreek's going to be back, so I, I sat him on the bench. In a daily changes league, you're looking at a zero, and we don't know if he gets injured reserve designation because he's not injured. Yeah. He, he might not get... You might not be able to stash him in injured reserve, so yeah. I, I don't see how you can have a guy as a zero in a daily changes league for, for yeah. potentially two months. I don't think you can draft him. Yeah, that's that's the thing that I've been thinking about. Will he get, you know, IR eligible? And it's it's a unique case, so it's probably unlikely. But it'll be interesting to see what what fan tracks and and the other sites got to do with Drew Holiday. But yeah, it just makes him so tough to draft now. And the other guy we've got underneath him is, is Darren Collison, who will likely miss some of the games at the start of the season as well. Um, what was your projection around games missed in the end? Got him at, uh, actually, just back on holiday, Fantrax has got him as injured uh, IR eligible. Right, yeah. So he's he's in that spot. I, I don't know what ESPN's got him at. Um, so, so you draft him and then he gets injured and then you go, hey, Fantrax, I need him IR eligible. And they just say, okay, Josh, here you go. Yeah, I, I run that show over there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they do what I say. Okay, come on. on someone, his, his wife's injured. That's that's enough. Um, but Collison, I pre- look, the last domestic violence suspension in the NBA was Jeff Taylor, who suffered a 24-game suspension. It came right on the back of the Ray Rice news from the NFL, so the NBA went hardcore on it. Now, do they keep up the same? Well, Collison pled guilty, so he's getting a suspension. There's no way around it. He's getting a minimum 10 games, in my opinion. We've got him out for 24 games, which puts him back sometime in the middle of December, missing, obviously, 24 games. So he becomes pretty much almost undraftable as well, unless you're in the same situation that I mentioned earlier, um, where you can be in a weekly changes league or in a rotisserie league where you can just sit his ass on the bench. But his ceiling is nowhere near as high as what uh, Drew Holiday's is. Yeah, exactly. So say if he misses 20 to 25 games, throwing a few games there during the season with injuries and sickness and stuff, you're sort of anticipating about 50 games out of Darren Collison for the year, um, throwing Ty Lawson now, who who will start. So Collison's got to win back that point guard job. So, yeah, that makes makes him very tough to own as well. and look, he could have been looking at a top 50 season because the last time he was the starter playing 34 minutes in 2014-15, he was a top 50 player, Darren Collison. He's not special, but he put up really, really good numbers, nice assists, good scoring, you know, really efficient as well as a field goal percentage guy. But the uncertainty here, and plus there's a, a slim chance that Ty Lawson holds onto the job. I don't believe that he will, but there is a slim chance there. So that pushes these guys significantly below where their projected rank per game comes out. Yeah, so then some of the other guys have got in, uh, what are we, Tier 7, Marcus Smart, Patrick Beverly, George Hill, Alfred Payton, and Darren Williams. Um, now, a bit of a mixed bag here, depending on what you're looking for. Marcus Smart with, with the assists and steals and threes and the good rebounding option um, for a point guard, Patrick Beverly. I'm not sure what to make of Patrick Beverly this season. I think um, James Harden and Eric Gordon will, will run a lot of that offense. So Patrick Beverly may be sort of not on the way out, but just a bit of an odd man out there in, in Houston. What's your take on Pat Bev? Now, I think they, they really have nothing behind those three guys. That's, that's the thing. They've got Pablo Prigioni as their other guard. Like They just don't have any other guards. So, yeah, while Gordon will play 30 minutes and Harden will play 37, 38 minutes, 
yeah, Beverly's going to have to still play 30-ish minutes. And they'll play some three-guard lineups, I think, as well, pushing Ariza to the four because there's just nobody that's going to come in behind them and and really play any minutes. They're just a really, really shallow in the backcourt. So initially, I was excited. D'Antoni coaching. Let's see Beverly you know, up his scoring, get his threes up there. Then Gordon came in. But now I'm coming back to it thinking he's a low-ceiling you know, pick a hundred-ish type guy in this tier of players who's really valuable if your league extends a bit deeper, goes 14 or 16 teams, because that 100 spot doesn't become an end-of-the-bench flyer looking for a high-ceiling player. It becomes a, a mid-round player almost where you just need solid production, and that's what I think he's going to give you there with us. You know, he could hit two and a half threes. He could get two steals. He could give you five rebounds. He's a super aggressive rebounding point guard as well. The assist won't be there, but he gives you those other numbers, which again, it depends on how you've structured the rest of your team. If you need point, if you need assist late, he's not your option. It's one of these other guys there. But if you want some of the other stuff to and someone to slot into a point guard spot, then he really helps. And Pat, Pat Bev does miss games as well. So we've got him projected for 66 games. So keep that in mind if you're, if you're looking at him late. Um, George Hill, like I said, I, I heard your um, podcast the other day with, with Mr. Locke from the Jazz, um, he was really, really pumping up George Hill. And he's he's and big on George Hill. Um, does a little bit of everything without being without being a real difference maker in any category, but just a a solid, yeah, really late sort of um, just coming coming off the bench for your fantasy team. Alfred Payton, he's a poor man's Rajon Rondo at the moment, and then Darren Williams, um, just a real low end source of, of points and assists. I think that uh, Alfred Payton can actually. I think that Rajon Rondo might become a poor man's Alfred Payton this season. I, I think that I think that Payton was absolutely um, destroyed by a horrific coach in Scott Skiles, who clearly did not get along with him, and and basically at every opportunity he had, he would go out and criticise him publicly and privately. And as a young guy who's trying to find his way in the game. Not the best way to build confidence. So you know, he was shuttled in and out of lineups. His minutes were limited. I can see Peyton being an eight and a half assist guy. He's already a better shooter than Rondo. He started hitting some threes last season, but he finishes at a much better rate at the rim. Like he can be, like he was an over fifty percent scorer in his two years in college because he he can finish at the rim. Um, his free throw percentage is a concern. Really low attempts, but he could be an eight assist, two steals sort of player and be a better scorer than Rondo and be a really a much better field goal percentage guy. And he's not a punt field goal guy like Rondo is. That's my. That's one of my bold predictions. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I've, um, I was warming to to Peyton earlier in in the um in the off season, sort of June July. Now I'm not as convinced, but as we get closer to the season, I can, I can see leagues where yeah, I could draft him late just because sort of five, six, seven assists. Um, that's that's hard to turn down. We've got him projected at seven and a half, actually. So he could get to eight and a half, no problem though. That, yeah. That's that's the thing. And you look at this tier of guys you've got here. Look, who of these guys can be a top fifty player? Darren Williams, no. Uh, yeah. Pat Beverly, no. Marcus Smart, maybe. Collison and Holiday, yes. But we've just talked about the fact that you can't you can't draft them in certain situations because you're just not going to get enough out of them. So out of the, George Hill, can he be? Yes, but it's going to mean that Gordy Hayward and Rod Hood aren't playing because. He's just not going to, and he can. He's easily a top fifty player, George Hill. If he's running things, he's just not running things in Utah. So that you know, his top fifty upside is limited by the presence of those other players. So out of those guys, Peyton's the guy who really, on a team that needs offense, 
if that shot starts to fall and he starts creating and he starts you know, whizzing around and throwing the ball over the place and, and knocking down some open shots, he's got significant upside. Yeah, and it depends what they're going to do if he's passing to um, Fournier and Hazonia and Abaka and Vucevic. It's a lot better than Aaron Gordon and Bismack Biombo. So. I just want to touch on this now. I tweeted this out today, and I did talk about it on the Magic Podcast, which is coming out in a couple of days. I've recorded that already. Bismack Biombo has an ADP of 90 on Yahoo. It is it is one of the strangest ADPs I've seen. He's not going to start, most likely. He's not going to play enough minutes, and he's not good anyway. It, it, it is baffling to me that you... And Yahoo's, according to Yahoo's ADP, you are picking him ahead of Fournier, and you are picking him ahead of Peyton, and you are picking him ahead of Aaron Gordon, which is just... It is just ludicrous. But we're not talking Bismarck Biombo. I just wanted to get that out there because it's been bugging me all day. Yeah, I can I can tell. So, <laughs> um, Then in the last tier, we've got yeah, a little bit of everything once again. Derek Rose, um, Emmanuel Moutier, Michael Carter-Williams and Jared Bayless now. The, the value between these guys is, is a bit, but they all had to sort of be clumped together in one final tier. So um, Derek Rose is a... Is a Interesting guy. Is there any chance of a, a bounce back ish sort of season there for, for Rose in New York? I think if you think that he had a bounce back after the All Star break last season, then yes. But that bounce back meant he was ranked 120th in that in that stretch. So if you think that's a bounce back, then yeah, he can have a bounce back. Do you think he's going to get back to being a top 50 or 60 player? Uh, no, I, I just don't. He's just he doesn't give you steals. He doesn't. He barely took any threes last season. So there's two categories where he's right down. His assists, yeah, maybe they go up with when he's giving it to Mallow and Porzingis. I, I don't. I don't know at this point. Well, it's just. But I'm, I just don't have the. I don't have the faith in him to do it. I. I it's a 20 percent chance to me that he bounces back. Yeah, I can see why someone would. Or even, you know, I'd consider taking him with one of my yeah. final picks, so just, just for a flyer, just to see, just to see what happens. Like, heck, I took Terence Jones at 130 last night at Rotor League. So he's your boyfriend. Um, well, he is, but yeah, you've you've got you have plenty of boyfriends I've as got, well. I've got so, lots. Um, Emmanuel Moutier, um, man, that efficiency, ouch, that that really really hurts. I'm I'm all aboard Moutier. Oh yeah. Yep. I think that he took significant steps forward last season in both field goal percentage and free throw percentage, and cut his turnovers and started hitting threes. All he needs to do, if he gets to forty-two percent, I think he's going to be a seventy-four-ish percent free throw shooter, which is fine. That's not a concern. If he can get to forty-two percent from the field and then get his turnovers down, if you're if you're concerned about that then you've got no issues. Then he becomes Damian Lillard in field goal percentage, and that's not a bad thing. Well, it is a bad thing, but he's he's right at the top. And Moutier can actually stuff the stat sheet. He can come out and be... You know, he's, he's upside for this season. His ceiling is probably 15, 5, and 7 with one and a half steals and, and a three or one and a half threes a game, I would say. And that's that's better than getting him at, at pick yeah, 115 on Yahoo. I don't know why I said it that way. There's a lot of ifs and buts there, but... There yeah. is, and, that, and that's why you don't take him until the flyer section of the draft, which is what I call those last three picks. That's why you don't take him till then, because if it doesn't work and then the shooting regresses to the start of last season, you just go, thanks, but no thanks, Emmanuel. You can be someone else's problem now because you're hurting me more than you're helping me. Um, the other point, guard, yeah, we just, just got under Moutier in terms of value. We've got him a little bit. Um, behind Moutier but like I said we needed to put him in the same tier Michael Carter-Williams 
Um, very, very, very little value there. Something significant would have have to happen in terms of an injury to Giannis or a trade to to a team who's desperate for a point guard. Um, and then Jared Bayless would be a popular streaming option for those needing some some scoring and three pointers there in Philly. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be going out of my way to to draft those guys. No, we don't even know what's happening at point guard in Philadelphia. CJ Rodriguez might cut into the minutes. They might play both limited because they run you know, weird lineups with Simmons literally as the point guard and then have Simmons and Henderson and Saric and Noel and Embiid all on the court together. And they, they could run those sort of lineups. So don't be surprised if you don't get you get 20 minutes out of Bayless, you get 15 minutes out of Rodriguez, you get five minutes out of TJ McConnell, and Simmons runs the rest. And then none of those point guards, who all in their own right, if they played 30 minutes, would be draftable. you just got no idea at this point. And, and you'd think at this stage that they could easily just you know game-to-game switch because both Rodriguez and Bayless are potential 40% three-point shooters, which the Sixers need, but they both can do it. So one doesn't have the, the significant edge over the other one. Yeah. Matty, I think that's that's it for point guard tiers. You got anything uh, anything else you wanna you wanna add to the, your your discussion? No, that's about it. Like I said before, so if I've missed guys like Zach Levine and Brandon Knight and Montrellis, these guys will be in in next week's article on on the shooting guards. Um, I just like to put in my nomination for the guy who you could get in the second or third round who Go could ahead. be a top ten player. Was that the question you got asked? Yeah, it was. Who, who's currently second or third round value that could end up as first round value? Yep, my guy is um, already owning Kristaps Porzingis. Um, he could easily be top 10 come the end of the season. So that's my nomination. He, I guess if you're looking at overall 9-cat value, he's a real chance to get there. I think we've got him in 8-cat value at about 20 or 20, just inside the second round. And people might say that's crazy, but he played 28 minutes a night last year and he was ranked in the 40s. So he could he could easily take a step forward and play an extra five minutes a night, which I think that he will. He, he will block shots, he'll get rebounds, he'll score. I think that he becomes that good, that he becomes the second offensive option and Rose does defer to him a little bit. And I think Rose will actually need to show that he defers to some place if he wants to get himself a sizable contract next year. Because if he's just ball hogging and ignoring a young talent like Porzingis, then your yeah, team's unless your name's Sacramento, teams aren't going to be willing to spend money on players who are destructive like that. So that that's something that I think that Derek will need to take uh, on board as as well. Anything else, Matty? Uh, no, that's it. So yeah, if you have any questions about tiers or point guards or rankings, yeah, hit me up on Twitter at S-Man Sports or for the Basketball Monster subscribers, you can leave a comment below. I think that's what you meant to say. Yes, we've got a... Uh, and We didn't have this previously on, on our articles last season, but now you can leave comments on the articles. You can all, you'd always leave comments on the individual players page, but now on each of our articles up on Basketball Monster, you can leave a comment uh, there. And we, we've had some discussion on the, uh, the head-to-head Roto article, a fair bit happening there, and on the punting article that you and Kyle put together that went up today. Uh, on the site and a few people have been commenting back and forward on that one as well so it's a good way to interact uh, with the articles too is leave comments and we can uh, we can get back to you over there matt remind us where we can find you on twitter yep find me on twitter at sman sports um so yeah any questions or comments or debates always up for a good time on twitter and uh good luck to the the crows tomorrow but again you'll be listening to this after the game's done so hopefully uh they get up for you yes they will and uh We'll see you in a few weeks' time in the grand final. We are, uh, we absolutely, we, we, we've got to go through the, the loser of Geelong and Hawthorne and then, uh, and then probably, um, Sydney or GWS. So it's not, um, it's not looking great, but you never know. There's, there's lots of things that are going to happen, uh, in all manner of sports. Matt, 
Thank you for coming on. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble. Basketball Monster, you know that. Subscribe to this podcast. Check out the other Locked On podcasts as well. Locked On NBA, all the team-specific stuff as well. Plus, there's a new channel, the Locked On NBA channel, which if you just subscribe to that channel, it gives you all of the episodes for all of the shows. And you can then sift through and listen to the ones that you want at, at that specific time. We're done. Matt, again, sayonara. Sayonara. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. See ya.